Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod. Joined today by Zach Dosh, and you can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. And Greg Steeman, you can find me on Twitter at Greg Steeman. Just a little bit of podcast news. In about two weeks, we have we will have an interview with uh, new Summit League Commissioner Josh Fenton will be joining us on the podcast, I think two weeks from today. So uh, something to look forward to in the future. We're super excited about it as well. Yeah, we're really going to have to put some thought into all the questions that uh, we want to ask him. So, and uh, I believe we'll, we'll probably be putting this on Twitter too, but uh, send us your questions, you know. Yeah. This could really go in a number of different directions, obviously. Um, a lot going on in college athletics. He comes from a unique background. Uh, really a lot on the table, quite quite frankly. And so I don't know how long this interview is going to go. I don't know how much time he has, but we're going to take every minute that he gives us, I guess. Yeah, and a guy who... You know, it's is is a current position with the NCHC Hockey League, and so uh, has a kind of pulling double duty at this time. And so it's going to be interesting because I think the guy has a, a really good understanding of of the landscape, and it's going to be uh, very interesting for us to find out what his plans are for the summer league moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So to start off this week's podcast wanted to since it is christmas or at least yesterday was christmas it is the christmas season thought we could name off a few things that we would give to certain summit league teams for christmas if we had the power to do it i'll open up the floor i have a couple things as well but i'm sure you guys have a few things if you had a magic wand and could give a christmas gift to certain summit league teams what would you do well how about uh Let's give AJ Plitzowite back to the South Dakota Coyotes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They they need him in the worst way. That's how their team is built. He's sitting there chomping on the bit. So whatever they need to do to get him back on the floor in terms of healing up, Santa could wave his magic wand or whatever he has to do to get AJ back on the floor. That's what I would give them. I, I'm sure everybody in Coyote Nation would uh, would love that. Well, I agree with that. And, and when you look at the, the, you know, the first weekend of conference play for the first couple of games or whatever it might be, I, I think USD probably had the most difficult result, you know, uh, losing two at home, losing, lose, losing at home to ORU is one thing. Um, it's understandable in a, in a way because ORU, we, we all know that they're a very capable team, but then uh, losing two nights later to Kansas City at home is a difficult loss for South Dakota to swallow. So um, I agree with you. I think they could use a guy like AJ Plitzway right now to to really uh, to help them. Uh, uh, I I don't even know you know how to say it. You know to help them maximize their potential. Um, we've talked about USD. I think they're a top five team in the league, but um, they need they need. Uh, something extra right now, and Asia Blitz White would be a great, would be a great uh, elixir for them. Well, and Zach, what I like, what I like about that too, is when we say Christmas gift to a team, like we could all say an extra year of eligibility for Mike Dom or something like that. Yeah. But that's not something. I mean, I guess AJ can't get healthy right away either. But a person they really are missing, 
that yeah, if it weren't for injury yeah. would be on the team. I mean, he is on the team. He'd be playing right now. So right. that's why I like the way you went with that. Right. So what about you? What do you got, Todd? What's on your list? I would go sort of the darling of the Summit League in the in the non-conference, Western Illinois, had votes of, with our voters in the power rankings the last uh, two weeks as, as number one in the power rankings. I would gift them their non-conference defense back. That yeah. I don't know what happened, but we've all talked about Omaha's inability to score the basketball and certainly Omaha's inability to score in the first half. And they looked as sharp as they've looked all season. And a lot of that was on Omaha, but it was also Western Illinois. It just, that was their issue last year. And they, and they tried to address that with some of the, the players they brought in this way this year, whether it be Trent Massinger, George Dixon, what have you. And it just, they came out flat really in both games. It wasn't just in that one. They they needed overtime to beat Denver um, in the opener and, and then lost to Omaha. So I'd give them their defense back. How about, uh, and this is kind of a sore subject here, but how about I'd like to gift Jarvis Omirsa to St. Thomas. I mean, how yeah. different would their team look with Jarvis Omirsa on there? And it, it almost came together. It almost happened. Just imagine if it would have. I mean, a big six-eight athletic guy in the middle of that St. Thomas offense and to provide a little defensive support, they'd be even much better than they already are, which is which is better than we all thought. Um, that would have been very very interesting. Yeah. Well, what, what about you, Greg? Got any? No, I, I'm gonna just kind of tag on to what you guys talked about. You know, the weekend that Western Illinois and St. Thomas took on the road at Denver at Omaha. And, you know, you look at, at how close St. Thomas was to sweeping, how close, how close Western Illinois, Western Illinois was to sleeping to sweeping, excuse me. But I just, um, Western Illinois, it was a little bit, a little bit of a disappointment this weekend. Um, you know, Omaha has struggled, uh, throughout the majority of their non-conference season and, and in the conference and, losing at home to St. Thomas, and then for them to come back and beat Western Illinois at home, that was a big win for Omaha, but I think much more so a disappointing loss for Western Illinois, and I just think that's something that um, Western Illinois, we've all talked about them. We've, we've talked them up. They've, uh, they've earned that uh, from their pre-conference schedule, and I just think it's uh, they've got some work to do, to be honest with you. As far as being able to defend and, uh, and 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 be the type of team that we think they can be, St. Thomas, how I mean, and, and it's so interesting because St. Thomas was this close to uh, sweeping on the road uh, yeah. in their opening Summit League, you know, road trip. So um, those two teams, in, in my opinion, I don't know what Santa can bring them or what you know what we can give them as a Christmas gift, but. Western Illinois needs to find a way to back up their pre-conference schedule um, uh, uh, accolades that they earned, and, and they did earn them. But they've got to find a way to, to, to back that up. St. Thomas, I think they just proved to uh, everybody and and uh, their you know their group of fans that yeah they're they're here to make a difference in the league without question because I they're gonna they're gonna cause a lot of headaches throughout this season. 
Well, and Zach, not only is Omersa not with St. Thomas, but Courtney Brown hasn't played all season either. Yeah. So kind of that 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 front court that they thought at one point might be there that I just thought would make them able to win a few um, Division One games, but clearly the the backcourt is is a Division One backcourt whether they were playing Division One ball last year or not. That that front court that could have been helpful um, just hasn't been there. Uh, Parker yeah. Brooklyn has been great. I don't want to minimize that, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, th- think about where they'd be if they had, you know, Western Illinois front court or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they they could have probably have found other players somewhat similar if they didn't think that like Jarvis Amirsa and some of those other guys were going to be ready to go. So, you know, they're doing this with without the team that they thought they were going to have. So that that's what's so impressive to me and. So, uh, Todd, any other Christmas presents you'd like to give out before we like to dig into the week that was? You know, the only other um, Christmas gift that I would give out is Carlos Jurgens from last year to Oral yeah. Roberts. Shooting yeah. is way down for him. Um, Paul Mills kind of strikes me as the type of coach that sticks with his guys. Um but it's hard to say that they don't get better production out of Trey Phipps and uh, Isaac McBride than they do from Carlos Jurgens right now. Yeah. And yeah. and so I I'm not anticipating a change in the starting lineup because I just don't think that Coach Mills does that. But it would make such a difference. We've seen a little bit of that with Kareem Thompson starting to find his his rhythm a little bit. But Carlos is really, really struggling. So I would, I would give them last year's Carlos Jurgens. Yeah, that's a good one. And the last one that I have, and it's actually a realistic thing. I'd like to send a. Uh, there's a couple different versions of these. Like sometimes they're called the gun, sometimes they're called the doctor dish, whatever they are. You know what I'm talking about? The shooting machines that yep, you know. There's yep. a big net. I'd like to send one of those to Kansas City because they were just open and shooting and missing everything particularly the first night against South Dakota state. So um, if they, if they had some shooters, they could be a really intriguing team. If they could just at least keep defenses honest, but uh, well, that's all I have. Anything else, Greg? Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. And I think Kansas city has, has the ability, um, but you know, they're so good defensively. They, they are very well schooled. And, and, you know, I was at the, SDSU Kansas City game and and their ability or inability if you want to char- characterize it at that is uh, to, to score is is concerning so they have a lot of work to do they've got to find a way to knock down open shots they can create them I think uh, coach Donlin and his group find a way to execute offensively but they've got to you know, the guys that get the shots have to be able to knock them down. And I, I think he, I mean, he went deep into his bench at, at South Dakota State just because he had to. Um, you know, the game was decided, and he looked at a lot of different lineups. And I think there's some, there may be some options for him, but they've got to be able to knock down shots. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to one of the things you talked about with Oral Roberts. You know, they have to find they have to find somebody to compliment Max Asmus, and they're so piecemeal at this point offensively. Um, even though they had the ability to knock, you know, to knock off South Dakota at in Vermilion, 
they're they're still struggling from an offensive standpoint. You know, it, from in a system with Coach Mills, who really emphasizes the ability to score. Uh, so they've got a lot of work to do, and and I think it's going to be a, a, an interesting challenge for for ORU. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So I'll I'll, I'll use the discussion about Kansas City winning at South Dakota just start off our kind of recap of the first week of Summit League play. And I, I don't know why I'll start with South Dakota, but but since we were just talking Kansas City, I guess that makes the most sense. I would say probably the most disappointing first week was from the Coyotes. Yeah. Um, and Greg, you said losing to Oral Roberts, even at home, I it, they're, they're a great team. They can beat anybody. And, I mean, we're tied with um, two minutes left against South Dakota State. So, right. obviously, they can beat anyone in the league. But And losing to Kansas City isn't the end of the world. But, again, 0-2 at home against not South Dakota State and North Dakota State, against two teams a little bit below there anyways. What did you guys think of South Dakota's opening week? Well, well you know, go ahead, Greg. Well, I'm just going to say, I mean, the one thing I've talked about South Dakota USD is is they have a ceiling. They're the same group that we saw last year. Yeah. But minus AJ, minus Umude. Yeah. And that, I mean, they're they're I think they're still a top five team in the Summit League, but their ceiling is is so much um, evident in their ability to be effective offensively, and I think that's something that they have to get, they have to find a way to work through if they want to be a top three or four team and or potentially work their way into the top two and starting out 0 and two at home is difficult for USD so they've got a lot of they've got a lot of catching up to do you know after the first weekend of results so it's going to be interesting to see how coach Lee handles that and uh, I know they, they emphasize defense but uh, losing two at home not a great start for the Yotes. You know, part of the reason why we weren't overly concerned with South Dakota's perceived lower ceiling is because we thought that their floor was a little bit higher than some of these teams. And the reason why, at least I thought that, was because they were pretty consistent defensively. You know, they bring that consistent defensive effort. Yeah. Um, but that just, I don't think that was the case this weekend. You know, statistically, the more you look at it, the more they are almost subpar, I, I dare I say subpar. I, I've never seen South Dakota subpar defensively, but I it's it's almost starting to look like it a little bit, um, particularly guarding the dribble. You know, Max Ace missed 32 points. He against them, that's not in itself not necessarily alarming. Um, but then also McBride had 16 points off the bench for a total of 48 points. They gave a total of 48 points to Oral Roberts point guards. Yeah. And then Gilliard comes in the next night, 31 points. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, all right, what's, what, what's going on here? Like why, like they should not be, that stuff should not be happening. Is that more of an outlier? You know, I guess we're not going to probably be able to tell for probably another week after this. Cause you know, this week they do the, the Dakota swing and neither North Dakota nor North Dakota state really has that point guard. That's like a Gilliard or a Smith. I mean, obviously Greasel is effective in his own right. UND really doesn't have much of a point guard right now. Um, so we're not really going to be able to tell if this is a big issue. But, I mean, they're just their inability to control the dribble, it, it, it 
sort of undermines everything that they're trying to do defensively because I don't care how good your defense is. No defense is good in a scramble situation, and that's what occurs when you get beat off the dribble and the primary defender gets beat, like, almost immediately. Yeah. And that's kind of what was happening. And then offensively, you know, they're, they're okay. They can knock down some shots. You know, Cruz Perel Hunt, you know, Xavier Fuller, they're all right. Um, Archambault kind of had an up-and-down weekend. Uh, Comateros had a, a big second half against Oral Roberts. They, they really figured out. I think they came into the Oral Roberts game with a poor game plan as evidenced by all the adjustments that they made at half really worked well. And that's just pounding him in the post with Comateros who, who can do that. You know, he could just gets to that left shoulder constantly. So I don't know, uh, <clears throat> you know, th- those games were, been, were very interesting. Um, and, and for South Dakota, it, you're right. It, it does kind of, it does kind of uh, raise some alarm bells to me um, because yeah. their floor isn't there like we thought. Yeah. So I don't know. That was just sort of my takeaway, uh, my initial um, impression of them. Well, I thought that as well. You know that that you know even on their on their worst day, they're still a top five team, and and I think they maybe you know showed some I don't know areas of 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 uh, weakness. You know when it comes to that this weekend by losing two at home, even though ORU is we we all know they're very capable of beating anybody on any given night. To lose at home to Kansas City for a USD team, that's, uh, that, that's an area of concern. Well, and so I'll go to, to one of their opponents. We were, Greg, you were just talking about Oral Roberts. They, they beat South Dakota in the opener, uh, ends up, end up kind of getting away from them at the end against South Dakota state in what was a pretty good battle. And, and Zach, maybe what to start out with, we could just talk about their weekend in general, but I, I, I think you hit on something there, Zach, when you said pounding them in the post. That's what South Dakota did in the second half. And South Dakota State, which is not their MO typically, there was a whole lot of feeding Apple, Detlinger, yeah. get, getting the ball down low and trying to beat them down low and then go outside. Is that just something that teams are going to do with Oral Roberts all season? Well, I, you know, it was very interesting because – you knew that was coming, right? You know this is coming. You know teams are going to try to do this. And so the, the question that I had is when teams try to do this, do they just make you pay for having a guy like Comateros on the floor and just with their five out, put the ball on the floor and go right around him every time? You know, because that is the trade-off here. Yeah. Um, and that did not appear to be the case. I, I was a little surprised. Um I thought it was going to be, yeah, Comateros could score in the post, but what good does it do if he gives up two points every time down, you know? Um, Oral Roberts was scrambling. They were cycling guys in, trying to find somebody to slow down Comateros, and they really couldn't find it. I mean, they were picking up fouls left and right. Um, I don't know. I was surprised. You know, Oral Roberts was definitely on their heels that second half against South Dakota. They, They had such a good first half that, you know, luckily they had the, the cushion to ride that one out. Um, but but against South Dakota State, you know, they South Dakota State didn't have Friedel. And Greg, you called that game, right? I mean, what, what were you seeing? Well, I actually called called the SDSU Kansas City game. So oh, okay, I didn't have okay. a chance to yeah. call call the ORU game. But what I will tell you is this, and and I think you bring you both of you guys bring up a great point. Um, ORU is extremely vulnerable in the paint. And uh, SDSU 
the one thing I will tell you guys, and you guys have probably seen this way before me, Apple is much improved. This kid is really a legitimate low post scorer. You add that in the mix with a Dittlinger and a Wilson, uh, South Dakota State is really good in the low block. And uh, and their depth is much improved with their guard play. And so uh, I, I think it's a, a situation where or you ran into, you know, up in Brookings, uh, a team in South Dakota State that is, is much more well-rounded than maybe we any, any, any of the three of us talked about in the preseason because we didn't know the development of Apple. We didn't know the, the emergence of Mayo as a perimeter player. And uh, so, I, I, you know, for ORU to go into Brookings and win that game would have been very, extremely difficult. Um, South Dakota State is playing at a really high level right now. And, uh, and even without Friedel, that that's the whole thing. This is, this is what intrigues me, is that South Dakota State is still a conference championship-level team without Friedel playing. Yeah. That goes back to Shireman. And, um, and so I, now I'm going to go to the next Christmas wish list that we talked about. Um, I would love to see a South Dakota State and or a North Dakota State be able to win without a Baylor Shireman or a Sam Griesel on the floor. And those guys are amazing players. And South Dakota State and North Dakota State are excellent teams. But can they function? Can they be successful if they don't have a Shireman or a Griesel on the floor? Well, that's that's a really good question, Greg. And, and the, the short answer, at least for North Dakota State, is probably not in that brief amount of time that we did see that. Yeah, to um, this point, of, I agree. But of course, nobody, no North Dakota State fan wants that question to ever be answered. <laughs> I uh, you know. know. <laughs> the, yeah, let's hope we never find the answer. Yeah. Right. It It is because you could almost say with, with South Dakota State, with Noah sitting out, and I, again, we have no inside knowledge to any of this, but that could have been one of those we can win without you, so make sure you're with us, kind of sit down games, um, and it kind of proved it. But Baylor is a whole different ball game because of what he brings to the to the team. Isn't isn't it intriguing though, guys? When you think about this, Noah Friedel, if we if we talk about him, we watch him play. He's a legitimate player of the year candidate in the Summit League. Yep. Yet, South Dakota State has the ability to win without him on the floor against high-level conference competition. And so I think that's 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 amazingly interesting to, to, to think about that. And so, you know, I, I don't know if there's a player in the league that we can look at and go, well, we can take him out of the rotation and still compete for a conference championship. But but South Dakota State has that ability with their added depth. And that's something that <clears throat> excuse me, was incredibly important that they proved to themselves before this conference tournament. I know the season's early, but that's what derailed them last year is they just never got back on track once Noah went out. Now right. they feel like they're, they, they have checked that box. That's, what's, that's why experience is so important. That's why continuity is so important. You know, the more these guys play together, the more they're able to figure out ways to win and and then you mix in the freshman male, right? He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He's good, really you know, good. offense and defense. I mean, he's 
way ahead of where a freshman should be. I mean, all these teams, yeah, they they have freshmen playing for them, but they're not beating out juniors and seniors like Mayo is. I mean, Mm -hmm. he could play Mm -hmm. for anybody. He could start for anybody right now. And so, um, yeah, just it's South Dakota State versus themselves. They're playing against different versions of themselves right now. Well, and I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter. I think South Dakota State is a good team to spend a little bit of time on. One, they're starting to separate themselves a little bit, but just there's so many intriguing things going on. But Luke Apple on Twitter posted a thing about Charlie Easley calling him Mr. Off Night. And I thought, what a perfect name for Charlie Easley. I, he, yeah. the way he could defend against Max, there aren't many other people that can do that in the league. Yeah. Well, and and, and Easley's Easley Easley is a complete player. Um, you know, had a chance to watch him. He just he gets it. He he understands what he needs to do to contribute to the South Coast State team, and uh, extremely unselfish, but extremely aware. And uh, you watch him. I mean, he was so aggressive. I, the kid can, can knock down shots from behind the arc. But against a team like Kansas City, who, hold, who holds teams to 27% or less from behind the arc, easily is getting the catch and attacking the closeout because he understands the team they're playing against. This kid is, is uh, a, a, a very smart basketball player and one that fits into Eric Henderson's scheme and system extremely well. And that, and that, you know, <clears throat> seeing both Mayo and Easley makes it easy to understand why they're able to keep up with a team like Oral Roberts. You know, South yeah. Dakota State's uniquely equipped to be able to keep up with a number of guards and, and guard that three-point line very well. Um, th- this next challenge coming up for them, though, this is a little different challenge against NDSU. Yeah. Um, you know, Oral Roberts is the, the speed and agility, and, and NDSU is the power, just the brute power at every single position. Um, how do they defend them? How, you know, how do they, you know, obviously part of that is making NDSU defend them. But, um, you know, I, I got to believe NDSU is just going to be determined to get the ball in the post against anybody. I mean, NDSU is going to have a size advantage against every single um, player on the court. And so, how can SDSU guard that post? They're going to have to scrap and fight, but you know, I don't know that that's it's, it's could be a heck of a start to the year. If South Dakota state goes on the road and beats NDSU coming off of beating Oral Roberts without Noah. Guys, I, I, I couldn't agree more attack. Um, this is, this is by far and away the biggest game in the summer league to this point, SDSU coming into Fargo to play uh, North Dakota State this next Thursday. This is a huge game. Yeah. And you talk about that. Um, you know, the one thing that I I, I I talked about after doing that NDSU-UND game, which, by the way, NDSU did not play poorly. UND played very well. That was a hard-fought game. But NDSU's ability to create mismatches and, and, and exert their length against the opposition is 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 amazing and so i think that's going to be the challenge for sdsu coming into to fargo next thursday and and how does ndsu defend them how do how does sdsu defend ndsu as you mentioned uh zach uh with their 
with their length and their mismatch, the ability to create difficult matchups um, at, at numerous places on the floor. Grant Nelson, for goodness sakes, this kid is good. Uh, I, yeah. I, and I, I mean, he, yeah, the, the, no, it's, no. it's not like they're running plays for him, you know, uh, it, exactly. <clears throat> he's, he's getting all of this just by being a smart and aggressive and instinctual basketball player. Oh, and by the way, 6'11", 225, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and has a, an amazing skill set, can knock down the three, can operate in the post. Um, yeah, I, I went out on a limb and after the game and said, oh, by the way, there was another guy like this in the league not too long ago, Mike Dom. And so, you know, Dave Richmond will be mad at me. I get that. That's fine. But, but Grant Nelson is an extremely unique matchup in this league. And so... Um, I, 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 this Thursday's game is going to go a long way towards, you know, some league seedings and uh, conference finish, you know, when it comes to uh, a, a lot of the teams in this league. Well, and we talked about it a little bit last week. The dis, the unfortunate part about a game like this being scheduled when students are not on campus. Even another part of that, and I, I get. You don't know what records are going to be, but to have two of the best teams, one thing it's nice because it gets some interest in the league, but it'd be so much more fun if they're playing each other both at eight and one or one at seven and two or something a yeah. little farther down the road, just yeah. so we knew a little bit more where teams were at. Yeah. Could you imagine if this was end of February? Yeah. I mean, good to say. That's everything. what it was last year towards yeah. the end of the year. Yeah. Well, and I will give the, the NDSU. Um, contingent, a lot of credit. Uh, there was 3,100 fans there for the UND game, and I, and I, I I do think the community and the region will probably turn out this coming yeah. Thursday. Yeah. It's going to be a it's going to be a great environment, a high level college basketball game between two high level college basketball teams. Um, I can't wait to be a part of it. To be honest with you, it'll be a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, and we should note, um, Coach Henderson was asked um, about Noah after that game against Oral Roberts. He basically said, I'm not answering that question. He said a lot of words, yeah. but uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he basically said he's not going to talk about it. So no real news. We don't know whether Noah will be back or not um, for that and, game. And just the, the one thing I want to say about that is, I am totally fine with a coach saying it's none of our business what's going yeah, on with the player. Yeah. They're not. They're. We're not owed any. Like I, we're not owed anything. I. I don't. You know. I know not a lot of people feel that way. I know some people, um, were a little aggravated with Coach Henderson and and yeah. were were kind of taking not direct shots, but you know, like, can we not read between the lines here, people? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have some perception, you know, like just yeah. leave it alone. Like, you know, Greg's <laughs> talked about this several times, but they, they clearly have it handled and that's that. And nothing positive is going to come from discussing it anymore at the end. Let's move on. And, well, and a good coach isn't going to discuss it. Right. Nor, nor should he. Yeah. Nor should he. It's not It's not even the, really the coach's business to be saying. So. Right. Yeah, Zach and Todd, I agree with both of you. Um, Eric Henderson 
is uh, is a guy, and I think we all know this. Um, his job is is to certainly to coach a team, but to coach people and to help them develop, help them to grow, and and for anybody to 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 be so into this where they um, can't grasp the fact that a young man's well-being is more important than a than a team's success, that's their own problem. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think it's uh, credit Eric Henderson, his staff, Rob Tukipas, and, and the guys. Um, they are not going to put they're not going to put an, a young man's well-being above you know what the team's success. And and I think that's to their credit. And so I couldn't agree with you guys more. You guys hit the nail on the head. You know, it's it's not our business. It's it's Eric Henderson's business. It's Noah Friedel's business. And it's what Eric Henderson believes is truly best for Noah Friedel. And and I think that's the way we have to look at it. Yeah. And and Greg, I, I'll, I'll take it a tiny step further just because I think it's such an important point. We all know what about the mental health issues last year, and then that doesn't go away just because last year ended. Right. Um, my, my world is is in working with people with with mental health yeah. um, issues, and what I will tell you, and and why I'm cannot believe more strongly that Noah Friedel is in the best possible spot he can be, is the difference between mental health issues and behavioral issues. And the mixing between those two things is so incredibly complex. And yet they're navigating this and not, and at the expense of the basketball team and the worst possible thing. I mean, I just hope that Noah Friedel understand is sees this clearly as well, that all of this is that he's in the best possible spot to navigate all of this. There's lots of coaches that would just, Get the player out there because he can score points, yep. even if it meant disaster in the long run. And he that I just I can't I, I just want to emphasize that because this the way they're handling this and how incredibly challenging deciphering all of it is. I, I just it's impressive to me. Hey, Todd, I'm grateful for your approach on this and I'm grateful for your insight on this. Um this stuff matters yep. and you know zach and you and me get to talk about college basketball but i i love the the approach that you just talked about um there are things that are so much more important than winning games yeah there's things that are so much more important than than you know what what individuals contribute to a team success on the floor and so thank you for talking about that. I, I, I respect that. I appreciate it. And Zach, there's no question in my mind that you think the same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, um, you know, and, and, and when, when I say it's not of our business or whatever, it's not to minimize it or anything like that. It's just, hey, you know, I mean, they're, they're, on, they're on it. They're doing everything they can for it. And talking about it with the media won't help anything so they're not going to do it and i i applaud coach henderson for standing up to people that are asking the questions i'm so but to uh 
to, to just kind of get back to some of the games here, just to make sure that we're touching on all these teams here, um, to to talk about Greg's game, that UND-NDSU game, uh, you know, c- kind of interesting. You know, UND, like we've said so many times, man, they're playing hard, they're scrapping, they're fighting, they're probably punching above their weight. They need to catch a break here personnel-wise. Um, yeah. That's their biggest issue is just personnel right now. And, uh, you know, they're doing everything they possibly can. You know, Paul Brun's playing 40 minutes as a true freshman, scoring 27 points in the first time playing against NDSU. I mean, you know, what what a performance out of the kid. I mean, what a bright future he has. Sotene playing a little better. He's starting to get the feel for Division One college basketball a little bit better than he had in the, in the beginning part of the year. Um, still UND's backcourt, their senior backcourt, just not really getting it done right now. And that's a, a tough situation to, there's no real way to get around it. Wouldn't surprise me if free grant, the freshman starting, you know, a, a point guard eventually. Um, but for NDSU, they did a good job just finding their way. You know, I by no means think that NDSU played poorly, but it took them a little bit to kind of figure out how to best play in the game. And then once they found it, they just kind of stuck there. I mean, the, my my one complaint though is it Rocky Cruz are getting one shot. Yeah, isn't that something? It, that, when's the last time that happened? It's the most mind blowing thing I've ever seen. I don't a hundred percent know who, who to point the finger at, but I want to point it at somebody. <laughs> well, guys, I, yeah, I, I don't. I, Greg, what's your what's your impression of that? Like, what's your interpretation of it? You know what? You bring up such both of you guys bring up a great point. And I watched that game, and I had a chance to broadcast it. And, and I, I'm going to echo what you talked about. NDSU didn't play poorly. UND played very well. High level of energy, things along those lines. And I'm, But at the same time, I'm watching the game going, Rocky just didn't he's, – he's not into it. And isn't it crazy where we go, for gosh sakes, we, we should expect something out of a college athlete that we would expect out of a of a of an office exec, executive that that person should be bring it every day. Rocky wasn't into it. There was something Rocky was off that night, and uh, I thought the same thing with you guys that there was something and and be, it's it's way beyond my pay grade to know what it was. But he's a college athlete, and there was something that wasn't there that night for Rocky. However. For the first 35 minutes, it wasn't there. For the last five minutes, it was there. And NTSU really needed it to finally find a way to seal that game. They're college athletes. And they have so much going on. And, and, and we act as though sometimes that, you know, that they should be able to put everything uh, off to the side and go out there and compete at the highest level. And we all know Rocky Cruiser is a, is a potential all-league guy. Um, potential MVP guy for the summer league. And and at the same time, he had a night where things didn't click for him and it was off for him. And, uh, and so I, I think to his credit, he didn't cash it in. He didn't, he didn't just quit on his guys. He just said, I'll be here as long as I can be. 
And then when the last five minutes, you know, showed up, he was able to perform, knock down some really critical free throws for NDSU to make it a 10-point margin at the end. Um, it is, and, and you know, the other thing that, that amazes me is I'm such an idiot. I remember when I was a coach, and I expected everybody to be so good all the time. And I've had an opportunity to sit here and observe at the sidelines and go, you know what, sometimes you're not going to be great every night. But to Rocky's credit, he was really, really good when it mattered down the stretch. And his team benefited from it and, and got an important win against an estate rival. So the, the one thing I have to point out as a member of the big man covenant here is <laughs> he can't throw the ball to himself. Yeah, you're right. Starts. That's a good job. Good always, be, always know where Rocky is on the floor and get him the ball. He can't yeah. throw the ball to himself. Get him the That's ball. Great, great observation. <laughs> yeah, and it, good news for him. I mean, Tyree Eady had a good game. Sam Greasel, yeah. like we already talked about Grant Nelson's game. Like that, that, that is the. Sometimes you kind of forget that might be the difference between the South Dakota states and the North Dakota states and the Denver's and the St. Thomas's or what have you. Um, there's just so much more depth with, yeah. with those really good teams. There's and not depth. even like bench depth, just depth on yeah. who can put the ball in the basket. And and those best and those best teams care less about who gets the points anyway. I mean, right. they don't really care. They're I mean, Rocky is here for one reason. He's at NDSU for one reason, and that's to play in the NCAA tournament, period. Not to score 30 points against UND, because he's done that. The only thing that he wants to do is go and play in the NCAA tournament. And the more times that they can win in more different ways gives them a better chance to make the NCAA tournament. So I'm sure if you ask them after the game, I'm sure the competitor of him wish he would have had a more productive game, but, I mean, ultimately he doesn't care. Like, that's part of what makes them good. It's not like he was out there pouting or doing anything. I mean, he... They're a good team. They're going to win multiple ways. This just happened to be a very unique way of winning, and they did it. No problem to it. Right. Yeah, guys, you make some really good points. And and the funny thing about it is Grant Nelson has a quiet 24 in that yeah. game. I, I'm not joking. That's true. That's quiet true. 24. Yep. And this kid, and and, and Bowden Skenberg. I'm going to go. I'm I'm going to go. Bowden Skenberg. When I watched him last year, I'm going. This kid is having a tough time finding a way. This year, he has realized that if he's going to be on the floor, it's going to be because he gets it done defensively. But that has turned into production offensively, and I'll give the kid credit. Um, he struggled offensively, I think, all of last year and early this season. But and and, and this is. Dave Richmond brought in additional competition for Bowden Scumber. And Bowden Scumber looked around and goes, I, I need to find a way to be on the floor. And the way I'm going to be on the floor is if I bring great defensive energy, great defensive toughness, and then allow that to turn into com- comfortabili- comfortability on the offensive end. Um you look at Grant Nelson and Bowden Skunberg as two North Dakota natives playing against UND this last weekend. Um, uh, give them both credit. Uh, Grant Nelson is a player of the year candidate, and Bowden Skunberg 
is finding a way to work himself into Dave Richmond's uh, nonstop rotation. Real quick, back to North Dakota. Do you guys think uh, Coach Sather is lobbying the Summit League to not give Paul Bruns freshman of the year? It hasn't. <laughs> So he stays? Yeah, exactly. It could, it could be the third straight one. You could have the three yeah. straight freshman of the year. Yeah, except that God. we know what happened after the first two. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Pretty I, wild to think about that. Yeah. I don't think he's really doing that, but <laughs> might yeah. just think by it's the, a jinx at this point. By yeah. the way, though, uh, that kid, Bruns, just played with without ever showing any emotion on his face. That kid played beyond his years and kept UND in that game uh, to his credit. It was a, it was an, it was a really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. 11 rebounds too. It isn't just scoring. He does a lot of right. things. Yep. Yeah. Great player. So I, I wanted to go to a game that maybe we didn't, didn't get as much publicity as some of the that we just talked about, but might have been the best game of the weekend. Uh, Denver beat St. Thomas at the buzzer. The the thing I'll say about Denver, they've got some freshmen. Toko Tynamo uh, with the game-winning uh, layup on a lob. And then Tevin Smith and Colbin Porter. They're, they're going to be really tough in Denver and, and growing. I think they started three freshmen in that game against St. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Cause KJ hunt couldn't play. Yeah. That's, I mean, that makes that win more impressive really. Yep. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that game was, it was a tough one. Cause like, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't buy the subscription. I was just following on the game cast and at the last second, it, it just wasn't updating and it wasn't updating and it wasn't updating. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, what happened? Like, yeah, yeah. and then eventually, and then eventually it was like, it, it had like, it showed like one second left. And then all of a sudden Denver won. And I'm like, what? I'm like, how? <laughs> and then, and then sure enough, you know, good old Twitter. There's plenty of videos on there of that play. Boy, I mean, literally under a second left with that tip. And I mean, j- just an unbelievable play. And, you know, the, they're, they're playing hard. All of a sudden that, yeah. that Denver road trip is not something to be taken for granted. Uh, you know, you gotta like what you see. I mean, they they for they have a foundation to that program now. They have yeah. these freshmen playing well. They have KJ Hunter. I mean, they're they go about eight deep. They're a nice group. They they, they play five out. Um, you know, I, I I just can't say enough good things about them and what they were able to do. I mean, it was true. I mean, you remember Coach Wilburn was telling us about this about how. The fact that how every school was going to the portal to find their players was leaving some of these freshmen under recruited. Right. And it's, it's proving to be the case, you know, uh, they can play. And now, I mean, what a great feeling that has to be to know that you have three or four guys for the next four years that can really play. Right. And, and guys, let's think about this. Could there be a more non-district game at the beginning of the conference season? Than St. Thomas at Denver. I mean, let, right. let's let's be honest. Yep. At the same time, we're sitting here going, "This this matters," and I love that. I love that. I love that U.S. St. Thomas is going to be a really difficult out. I love that Denver is going to be a difficult out. I love that both of those teams are going to really be a thorn in the backside of some of these upper level teams when they have to go on the road to play those teams. I. 
I couldn't agree with both you guys more. It's it's funny that that game seemed really insignificant when we looked at the preseason or or the, or the conference schedule early on. But I think we all looked at it and go, this game matters, and those two teams really do matter. Yeah, I mean, Denver went to overtime against Western Illinois. They were close to going 2-0 to start the conference season, which would beat yeah. their uh, conference win record total from last year. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think they only had one last year. And yeah. I mean, how about how about St. Thomas's starts? We yeah. Do in the first half. Agree. Agree. Yeah, they did you know, the same I mean, thing. And, and yep. it, it, yeah, I mean, so up 23 at half at Omaha. I remember sitting there looking at it, and at one point, I think they were up like almost 30 in the first yeah. half. And I think it ended at 23. And then up 15 at, at half against Denver. I mean, what they're doing in the first half is incredible. I mean, clearly these teams are able to adjust and then find things that that work against them, uh, particularly on offense. But man, they're you better be ready to play when you're playing St. Thomas, man. Yeah, they 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 were burying shots at the beginning, first half against Denver. Yeah. Yeah, and and one of the other nice things with Denver, I mean, we we remember the last few years with the energy in general. It was a three o'clock game or something like that. It was earlier in the day, and there really was a pretty decent crowd yeah. at Denver yeah. for for that game. So yeah. it's good to see them developing Western Illinois, where they've gotten like two teams that two years ago were awful. It's only good for the league. St. Thomas is clearly going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So like it's it they the bottom is getting better, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. And St. Thomas, sort of, we don't even know that they're the bottom. They might be the middle for all we know. Yeah. Yeah. And then sort of the mirror image of all these fast starts for St. Thomas is Omaha. Who's yeah. Almost equally puzzling how bad they play at some of the beginning of these games. And then they, they come all the way back. We've seen it was yeah. like four or five times where they've been down like about 20 and a half and then have a shot to win it. And right there all at right. the end. And, you know, against Western Illinois, we finally saw them play a full game. Yep. And that, that I thought was probably the most interesting thing. You know, you had to be waiting for it because it's like, all right, they can clearly play. They just do it for very short periods of time. And I was listening to Coach Hansen's interview, and it really made a lot of sense. They finally have a little time to work on themselves. And, Greg, maybe you can talk about that. Well, you know, and, and Zach and, and both of you guys bring up a great point. Omaha still concerns me. I love Darren Hansen. You know, you, all three of us have talked about this. He's the dean of, of the Summit League coaches. And at the same time, for them to be so flat in so many first halves and then make this amazing run against multiple teams, non-conference and in-conference, in the second half, you're going. What are we what are what are we missing here? You know what what what's taking us so long to realize this sense of urgency, whatever it might be, and then for them to come back and beat Western and Illinois, that's got to be a great confidence builder for Darren Hansen, his guys, and at the same time, their their style of play to allow teams to get away from them so far, and then and then have such a great body of work to do in the second half. That's that's an, that's that's discouraging from my standpoint, but at the same time they realize they're capable of it. I, I I think it says a lot about Western Illinois. I mean they came into this. We talked about this earlier. 
um, probably one of the clear favorites because of their non-conference record. They did a great job of scheduling non-conference games. Still got a win at Nebraska. Um, we can't ignore that. But all of a sudden come home and go, we're, we're pretty human here. You know, we're, we're pretty, you know, we, we have a lot of, we still have a lot of work yet to do. So I think Western Illinois has some reflecting to do, but at the same time, Omaha has some work to do and says, what does it take for us to beat a Western Illinois at home? And how do we do that night in night out and not have to do it all in the second half? Yeah, Greg, I, I really like your point about Western Illinois you know, there's this Summit League group chat that we have on Twitter, and there was a lot of chat after the loss to Omaha. Well, maybe Western Illinois isn't who we thought they were. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's true. And at the same time, I don't think it all goes out the window there. So that's no, where it doesn't. goes to Coach Jeter to say, and I guess I trust Coach Jeter to get it going the right direction again. Uh, it'll be it's what it makes it so fun. It to see yeah. what happens in the next six, eight games or what have you. Well, think about this too. Western Illinois, 10 and two in the non-conference. And, and we have to go back to conference play is such an elevated level of urgency. And yeah, they're 10 and two in non-conference, but they go on the, lo- uh, on the road and they have to scrap and fight and claw to come home with a one-on-one record. Right. And that just shows that the elevated level of, of, of urgency when it comes to conference play. And, and West Illinois still has everything in front of them, without question. But I have a feeling that Rob Jeter is going to use this last weekend as a great learning tool for his guys. Yeah, I think, you know, especially at the mid-major level, you have to set aside the non-conference schedule. I mean, yeah. yeah. To me, Western Illinois is one and one, not not ten and two. You're or, right. Or ten and three. You know what I mean? Like, it's there's a lot that goes into. I just read this fantastic story about Coppin State. I don't know if you if you two have read that story, but uh-huh. you know, so for mid major basketball, it's all about paying the bills, right? And for Coppin State, their athletic department is is basically broke. They don't have football. Um, their AD basically tries scheduling pay games. Like that's his number one job, scheduling pay games for basketball. They did something where they played like 20 games in 30 days or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, so they, they essentially didn't have any practice and we're just going around playing all these games. And I think they ended up winning, like, I don't know, maybe two or three of them. Um, Juan Dixon's actually their coach from Maryland. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, it, you know, so there, and there was plenty of that in the summit league as well, right? There was plenty of people paying bills and, and, and just what, like, like I said, what Darren Hanson was saying really did make a lot of sense. Basketball players are, are at their best, really all athletes when they're in rhythm, when they're, when they have a routine and with this new schedule, it allows you to work on yourself on Monday and Tuesday, and then probably get game plan specific on Wednesday and then, you know, then you're traveling that night. Um, and that's going to really give us a more accurate representation of these teams rather than flying around and just doing game prep and not working on yourself at all. Uh, because you're doing kind of what you have to do to exist 
in college basketball in in 2021. So um, that's why it's it, like I think we we saw a lot of that kind of come to the surface here. Um, you know, these teams who showed the ability to play well for short periods of time, that period of time is expanding because they're getting a chance to work on themselves a little bit more. I mean, they give all scholarships too. I don't care, you know, how bad some of these teams are. They, they, you know, these kids are on scholarship, right? And they're probably the best player to ever play at their high school if they're playing for any one of these teams. And so they can all play. And so sometimes it just takes these teams, uh, you know, some time to take a step back, recoup themselves, figure out what they have, put it all back together the best way they know how, and then go out and win some games. And that will probably continue to happen, and it shouldn't surprise us. Well, Zach, and, and to your point, until the Summit League becomes a multi-bid league, which we don't know how far that, that is away, that's really the, the right approach. Because let's think about this. Um, let's just look at two teams, <laughs> Western Illinois and, and Omaha. Western Illinois had a great non-conference season. Omaha had a crappy non-conference season. And guess what? Tonight, they're both one and one in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. They both, yeah. Yeah, they both yeah. have the same opportunity, you know, to put themselves in position in the summer league tournament. And so I'm in complete agreement with that. I think you make some great points. Uh, Todd and Zach, you guys both are always on top of this. Um, until the summer league becomes a consistent multi-bid league, that that's what non-conference play is about, and that's why conference play matters at the level that it really does. And so, uh, great points, great topics, great great points of conversation. Well, and you know the coach that who probably most consistently messages gives that message that conference play is really what matters is Dave Richmond, and yeah. he's a team that's you know consistently. Not not a a two bid team, but one of the better teams in the summit, and he consistently says that. In fact, it drives some North Dakota State fans nuts, but sure. it's true. I you know unless you're going to get somebody that's thirty fifth in the net, that happens to lose the conference tournament. It's it non conference really doesn't make a difference. I agree with you. I agree with you, and it's all about and, and this is what you, Zach, and myself love. From here through the end of February, this is everything that matters. This yep. is all that matters. This is everything on the table. This is positioning. Who can get that one and two seat? Who can get that day off in in, in the summer league tournament down in Sioux Falls? And uh, I, I I love it, and I know you guys do too. Do you guys do you guys want to know how big of a summit league nerd I am? Well, you're let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, so I currently bowl on Wednesday nights. Of course you do, because you. Well, wait. You live in Minnesota. You're really close to Wisconsin, though, right? I, I'm close to Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on, I bowl on on Wednesday, not in Wisconsin. I just want to be clear. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the I bowl on Wednesday nights. We we discussed. Um, switching to Thursdays for next year because it would be good for a couple guys on the team. And I said, oh, I can't do Thursdays. They you go, bought that hard, I hope. <laughs> and they go, well, why can't you do Thursdays? I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. <laughs> How but, much yeah, time do you I, have? How much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> right. I can't switch to Thursday night bowling league because that's Summit League basketball for two months out of my bowling league. So That's funny. Uh, 
But uh, with that, I don't know if that's a good ending to, to, to yeah, this it episode. Is. But uh, but uh, go bowl, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll wrap up this week. We got some great matchups in the next week, and we get to that that regular Thursday Saturday. Um, in the Summit League, and Saturday is a little bit spread out, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week. With that, uh, we'll sign off. We'll see you guys next week. 